in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. And welcome to the CEO Raider podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. I want to beat up on IBM a little bit. Not like I beat up on Equifax because it's not that they've exercise malicious behavior i think the way the the management team the former management team at equifax behave was malicious i think frankly the the current interim ceo needs to be removed as well but i already went over that in detail in previous podcasts and i don't want to rehash it so ibm is almost guilty by omission it's almost negligent behavior they're not willfully holding back information the way Equifax did. It's not that type of a deal. IBM just continues to underperform. Right? So they've underperformed the, the NASDAQ index uh, over the past year. I just did a sort of a quick comparison uh, in Google Finance, and the composite is up just over 29%. IBM's flat. And so you have 20-some-odd consecutive quarters of year-over-year revenue declines and the stock continues to underperform. Yet nothing changes. I'm not long this stock. I would be a fool to be long this stock. I was long the stock in 2010, I think through 2011, and then I got out. I'm not short the stock. I would be if I were in the market, but I'm not. I'm fully vested in CEO Raider, but I care because there's institutional money in the company, and it's a mistake. That institutional money is, in large part, retirement income. And I don't care how cheap it looks. You've got to invest. You know, our thesis here that CEO Raider is CEOs, senior management teams, senior leadership teams, but CEOs in particular drive the performance of companies, especially with small cap and mid cap companies, but even with large cap companies. CEOs make it different. Look at Microsoft since Bomber stepped down. Shift in strategy. So a large cap company, a CEO is not going to get in the trenches and start writing code. Not at any, you know, at any size company for that matter, but you get my point. A, a CEO at a large cap company is not in the weeds to the degree that they could be at a small cap company, particularly if there's an area that you know requires their attention. It's more about the strategic issues at a, at a large cap company. It's more about people really making sure you have the right people in place to drive execution because you really have to delegate when you're CEO of a of a large cap company, particularly one with Microsoft that has a number of large moving parts. But at IBM, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, even though it doesn't work, expecting a different outcome the 22nd consecutive time. So revenues continue to decline and the stock continues to underperform. And the status quo is good enough there. I guess that's acceptable. Maybe they'll ding Ginny Rometty a little bit on her bonus. Big deal. Time for a CEO change, time for a change in strategy. And this speaks to the issue that I've talked about in the past about insiders on the board, not having insiders. You need insiders on the board. And I don't know if that would even work. I'm sure there are some smart people inside of IBM. I know there are. But in the, uh, at the very senior level, they may all support you. I'm not sure. I don't know the folks there. But at the next level down, my guess is they probably have an idea as to what needs to be done. You know, we prescribed early on, early on in our podcast history that IBM could largely be fixed with, with M&A. And it's going to take some M&A. The reason why IBM's revenues are declining is because they're, they're shifting from upfront license revenue, which is how the software universe used to operate sort of pre early 2000s 
large upfront license revenues deal, revenue deals. Those are a thing of the past, largely because of the success that Salesforce.com has had and the valuation that it got when it went public in 2004. So as a result, a lot of software companies flipped their model to mimic Salesforce. They may tell you that they had the genius idea on their own, but they didn't. They copied Mark Benioff. Kudos to Mark Benioff. But they flipped the model to a recurring revenue model. That's what IBM has started to do. And therefore, when you do that, you amortize revenue over time. So you may receive some of your cash flow up front, but your revs get spread out over the duration of the contract. So you typically have pro rata rev rec over, you know, monthly rev rec over a 12-month period, a two-year period, you know, whatever the contract terms dictate. But it, it flattens out revenue is the, the effect it has. Gives you more visibility into revenue, but it takes away that upfront, you know, bump that you would have under the old license revenue model. So there's a rational reason why, as to IBM's revenues are declining. We get it, but the uh, you know the optics are are poor as a result. You know, if you screen the stock, if you look at the the financial performance, all you see on the screen is declining revenue. And it just, when you're an institutional investor and you see that, you just, you, you sort of take a pass. So there may be investors that are still involved with the stock, obviously, but in terms of getting new money in, it, it's, it's hard when you have the declining revenue story like this one. Even though the declining revenues, as, as I said, are more a functioning of accounting machinations and not, uh, you know, that the business has fallen apart, that the, the, the fundamentals of, you know, all, all turned south. That, that's not the case. But when you have a board that didn't grow up in te technology, didn't grow up in software, didn't grow up in services, tech-enabled services, they don't, they don't know which questions to ask. They don't know how to provide advice. They don't get the nuances of the story. And what they should be saying is, okay, Jenny, we get it. We know why. And they should have said this when they talked about flipping the model to recurring revenue, not 20-some-odd quarters later. But they should have said years ago, okay, if we're going to flip the model and push out RevRack and therefore have declining reported revenue, even if bookings look good, billings look good, whatever, if we know revenue, organic revenue is going to decline as a result of our model flip, we have to have a strategic M&A program to offset the revenue decline and at least hold revenues you know, the flat's not acceptable either. You know, enough of an M&A program to show uh, modest revenue growth. Could be as little as a point or two, depending on what's going on in a particular quarter. But you've got to show something. And there are a ton of software companies out there, software and information services companies, that would make sense to acquire it. I'm not going through the list again. There's a, a, a ton of them. Some of them more mature than others. Some of them startups. It's not for lack of target companies. And I realize it takes two to tango to get a deal done. But there are enough companies out there to get deals done and stop the bleeding. But it hasn't happened. It's just the same old story over and over and again. So, so you have a CEO who's in over her head because she doesn't understand the nuances of what I just discussed. And you have a board that doesn't understand it either. So you have a, the, the blind leading the blind. And why large institutional shareholders are okay with this, I don't get it. You guys are as, as asleep at the switch as Ginny Rometty is, as the board is. You're all guilty. The triumvirate, all, the, the, all, all three constituencies are guilty. CEO, board, large institutional investors.
and I pick on IBM because they're it's just it's a you know nothing's changed for such a for such a long period of time and it's one that most people and most people know whether or not they're familiar with the software and services space you know Main Street America knows who IBM is and this is what goes on when nobody is held accountable boards aren't held accountable CEOs aren't held accountable investment committees not sure which company you may work for but chances are you have an investment committee particularly if you're a larger company that allocate substantial dollars, retirement plan dollars to investment managers to manage. So you may have an investment committee, maybe you bring on investment consultants and decisions are made around who to allocate money to in terms of which investment managers to select. And then I'm not sure different consultants handle it differently, different companies handle it differently. I'm not sure to what extent people get involved. My, my guess is it's periodically looking at returns, you know, once a quarter, maybe you're looking at it every several weeks versus the benchmark but it's not good enough but that's a podcast for another day how to how to repair the ecosystem and i think frankly the shift to to index funds for the time being is is a good enough answer i think what you what you really want to do what you really want to do if you're a company and you have institutional money you know retirement funds to invest you've really got to do your homework and find the best active managers. I don't have numbers around it. I can make numbers say whatever you want them to say, frankly, depending on the, the, the data that you pull. But generally speaking, generally speaking, a, a quality active investment manager will typically outperform an index fund. And for sure, these what I call closet index funds i wrote a post about this in the past what i call sort of active passive they don't know who they want to be they're schizophrenic meaning you'll have a a company like i'll pick on them because they they know they're they're wrong they know they don't know what they're doing fidelity putnam putnam my old employer they're quote unquote active fund managers and they have index products and products that that mimic various indices but in large part they are active managers but the way they manage money is to slightly overweight or underweight underweight different holdings in their portfolio versus the index so uh, let's overweight these stocks a little bit here and go underweight a little bit here they're not exactly diverging too much from the mean they're not exactly taking on risk smart risk they play it they play it safe and when you play it safe like that what happens is you typically kind of perform in line with the market, maybe you overperform a little bit, you underperform a little bit. More often than not, these guys are underperforming. But let's take a case of where they perform in line. That's before fees. Once they hit you with their fees, they underperform the index. So it, it's hard to go out there and find the best active managers. But they're out there. And you've got to meet with these people and do your diligence. Just like you are acquiring them in an M&A deal. Get to know them. Not just have them through the office for a 30-minute pitch. Get to know them. That's all for now. See you all next time.